calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. and welcome to this brand new spoiler review for episode one of Picard season three here from the Geek Buddies. Engage. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Perfect. Um, you know, we're going to be riding in and talking about Picard season three. We are the Picard guys of the three of us. So you're going to get two thirds of the Geek Buddies talking about this stuff shannon's really not a big picard person or star trek person he's not shannon shannon's okay. sci-fi shannon likes sci-fi that goes boom he yeah. doesn't like sci-fi that makes you think <laughs> you said that i didn't i'm not gonna co-sign that in any way shape or form uh but star trek star trek is a gentleman's sci-fi oh well don't you think he he's he's uh had the occasional scotch and the occasional Cigar sitting in his smoking jacket in the uh, he in the, he's the like he's years. like he's like a kid who sneaks into his dad's study and pours some scotch. He drinks it, but he doesn't drink it. You know what I'm saying? Takes the I'm gonna get in so much trouble for everything I'm saying, yeah. except except yeah. he's not gonna know unless you guys tell him because he's not gonna watch this review because he's not a Star Trek guy. He's not a Star Trek guy. He's the guy that pulls down the sci-fi books and just flips to the explosions. That's a great point, Mike, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we're going to get into it. See, season three is back. So many people who are critics were able to get access to these episodes early. And as, like, as early as three to four months ago, Mike, I was hearing from a number of people that this season was going to uh, be the best season of Picard. That the last two seasons, everybody knows the last two seasons were a little uneven. Certainly that second season almost universally feels like a bit of a letdown. 
first season, I think you could argue, could debate it back and forth. But everyone was saying, in mass, these critics were saying how incredible this season was, and they were waiting for this thing to drop. And it finally dropped just yesterday as we're recording this review here. And so we're going to jump into it and break it all down and talk about it. And look, both Mike and I are next generation. Mike's much more next generation than I am. So we're, we might miss some Easter eggs. We might miss some uh, allusions to things. So just letting you know that right off the bat. And if that's an issue for you, then uh, we apologize. And maybe you I- could help us by leaving comments down below about anything we might have missed in terms of Easter eggs as we go along. I think I could tell you where most of the Easter eggs are, but, (laughs) but these, this team went so deep that I can't tell you where each thing is from. Like, I know the big things, but like part of, part of season three is they were like, you want nostalgia? We got your nostalgia. Like they are, they're going hard. They're going hard in one episode. <laughs> so for sure, you you want nostalgia? We got it. So yeah. So like I said, we're, I'm going to do my best to, to hit them where I can. But we're going to break this thing down because essentially this is a table setting episode. Well, actually, Michael, let's get your thoughts overall. Seasons one, season uh, seasons one and two of Picard. What are your thoughts coming out of this? And so, what was your mentality going into this? opening episode the next generation here for season three of Picard yeah you know I mean I think you nailed it I think season one of Picard has a lot of really great stuff Mm -hmm. I mean they and they really like they really went for like some big story like tying the state of the Romulan Empire in Picard to the start the J.J. Abrams Star Trek reboot and what happens with Scott uh Scott Spock Spock who's Scott (laughs) I don't even know who Scott is Spock um, and then, um, you know, everything they did with sort of the, the, the Borg sort of trying yeah. to work through being Borg and kind of becoming their own species and the tall Shi'ar with the Romulans, like they really went big and at the end, you know, they didn't, I don't know that they quite stuck the landing, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but you were sort of like, okay, you went for big sci-fi and I appreciate it, man. Season two of Star Trek of Picard almost broke me by the end. Like yeah. that was like. I was slogging through the swamps of sadness to get to the end of that season. It was it was rough. Like it was yeah. not great. Yeah. And they clearly all sat in a room and said, "Guys, what are we going to do? Season 2, I think we might have lost people." And they said, "Bring them all in. Like we're going full. Let's just make this the final season of Next Generation." And at least so far, it yeah. seems to be working for them. I mean, it this was this episode yeah, it, to your yeah, point, yeah, overall thoughts. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, overall thoughts. It was, I mean, just overall thoughts. Getting broad strokes. You're, you're right. It is kind of a table setting episode. It's just letting us know what the what's going on, what the what what we're going to be going after, kind of. Um, but it was fun. It was sweet. There's kind of an overarching mystery to it. Yeah. Um, and they are, and as I said, going hard in nostalgia not just next generation nostalgia nostalgia but like star trek the motion picture like all the star trek movies like like they are they are putting a stake in the ground and saying guys we know star did i say star we know star trek and we are i'm all over the place it's been a long day of writing um they're like we know star trek and we are giving you like peak star trek is what they're going for now whether they do that all through season long critics who have seen it seem to think they are but so far i'm on board i'm excited i always feel like you know when you look at it new trek i always feel like you know they tried all these people came to it and they tried to do something new and update it and 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 do 
um, take the um, franchise into new areas to boldly go where no one's gone before, in essence, with the franchise here in these multiple uh, TV series that have come out, both Picard and Star Trek Discovery, uh, Lower Decks. They're, they're trying to expand the brand of the franchise um, from Prodigy as well. So the, all these things are trying to push against what had been very clearly what people wanted for the most part what people wanted and so there have been people who love the new track for sure and defend the new track are into the new track and there have been some of the older people older fans who are like hate the new track and want the old track and certainly strange new worlds was able to kind of bring everybody together back into the fold kind of like mandalorian did for star wars when there was so much friction after last jedi and and the rise of skywalker brought kind of people back to enjoying it and so this feels like already from the first episode this feels like okay we're going back to the basics here we know you guys had issues with seasons one and two and certainly season two so let's we jettisoned most of the crew from the first two seasons and most of the people involved we're going to bring the next generation we've kept a couple of the crew members seven to nine and raffi and of course picard and then we're going to see what we're going to make out of all of that and how we're going to weave everything together. But yes, the whole next generation has come back and we're bringing in next generation villains and former people, former antagonists are going to be part of all this, along with, of course, Amanda Plummer's character whenever she appears in the series. So I think that's what you got from this opening episode here is, OK, we know what you wanted. We're going to give it to you gleefully and we're going to put in all kinds of stuff here to get you excited and then see how you feel about it. Because certainly a lot of the music cues that were very reminiscent oh, yeah. of the next generation, there are a lot of those props that are referencing things from next generation as well, Michael. And I think they absolutely got you back into feeling like, hey, we get it. We know what you want. This is going to be another season of next generation. I will say to your point about Strange New World, just before mm-hmm. we dive into Picard, I do. I know most of the people who are listening to uh, to us on this podcast are, uh, you know, the older age of geeks, not <laughs> not the kids out there. Um, but I'm going to tell you, you should all, while we're waiting for the next episode of Picard to come out, go give Star Trek Prodigy a try. It's one okay. of the ones that a lot of people haven't tried as much because it's the Nickelodeon kid version. Yeah. It's about a bunch of aliens. I watched the first couple episodes and I was like, okay, I get what this is and I didn't pick it up. But when right. season two dropped... I dove in and watched it, and I'm going to tell you, it's up there with Strange New Worlds for me as doing some really, really fun Star Trek stuff. It tells a really good Star Trek story. It it balances what a lot of the new Star Treks don't manage to do so well, which is there is a big overarching story that kind of connects the entire two seasons, Mm. but they do a lot of really fun standalone, we're on this planet, there's a weird entity, things are getting crazy, like... They really prodigy. Don't sleep on prodigy. Go check it out. That's what I'm saying. As as you're as you're waiting for us and the next episode of Picard to drop, and you're kind of wanting to scratch that little uh, that little Federation itch. Yeah, go check it out. There you go. All right. You know what? You talk me into it. You talk me into it. Uh, all right. Let's dive into this thing. The next generation. We're gonna, as I said, going to break it up into two storylines. We'll take a break in between the two storylines. And there we go. So we start in the 25th century. By the way, the font there, very similar to the opening of Wrath of Khan, which started in the 23rd century. So I love that we got that reference there Got uh, right off the bat. We see Beverly Crusher, Dr. Beverly Crusher here on this ship, the ship, uh, I think the USS Elios. Uh, she's uh, talking with the ship's computer. They're being, a, they get attacked, they get boarded. She kills two of the, the two intruders that board. She gets shot. We hear a crew member banging on the door who's been either locked out of a room or locked into a room. Uh, and then she sends a message to Picard. Picard is there, uh, hanging out there with, uh, um, oh, what's the- Laris. Sorry. Oh, sorry, say it again. 
Laris. Yeah, Laris. That's what I was gonna say. Hanging out with Laris, having a conversation about the past, about legacy and all these things. And he gets a message. You know, she's gonna be going off to Child Talk Four. He gets a message on his on his old badge there. Um, and he, you know, and he says before then that he wants a, a new adventure. He doesn't want to deal with legacy. And on his communicator badge, he hears something, pulls it out, the computer brings it up, and we see that it's a message from Beverly Crusher. She has sent him a message. She says, Don't trust Starfleet. She says, um, and she and she says that uh, this is all uh, going to be involved here about the hell. She mentions the Hellbird, and she says to trust no one. He talks about Laris, and he reveals that they haven't talked in twenty years. Him and Doctor Crusher, which is really interesting, and that she cut everybody off twenty years ago. Everybody, which is kind of a bit of a shock here. He goes to see Riker. Riker and him have a fun conversation about the past, about you know the number one stuff and drinking all this. And they can't. He tells him about the message. They can't use Starfleet ships. So Riker thinks he's got a workaround and he kind of hails the USS Titan. They get on the Titan. Seven of nine is there who wants to be, who is now going to be addressed differently. Uh, Commander Annika Hansen, because Captain Shaw demands this played by Todd uh, Stashwick is so good here. And Picard has a fun little inspection moment. They head to the bridge. We get to that uh, next generation music, which is really nice. Then we meet Sydney LaForge or Crash LaForge as uh, as uh, Riker knows her. So uh, LaForge's daughter there. Uh, they set up the ship to take and have a fun exchange about how much protocol has changed since Picard was aboard the ship because they take it out of dock there with uh, um, Seven of Nine leading the way. They go to dinner with the with captain shaw and he's already started eating and this is all this is all dick measuring stuff that happens at the table here shaw is very much a guy who believes there's a certain way to be a federation officer and he sees riker and and riker and picard as like these cowboys these yahoos who violate the rules and he's very much about the rules and uh, he basically dismisses them at the end, walks out on his own, says he's not going to take them to the right on system, not going to take them to where they need to go. Well, while Shaw is asleep, Seven of Nine calls up R- Riker and Picard to the observation deck. They reveal what the message is from Crusher. She has taken him to the right on system. They escape on a space shuttle, head over to the ship there, Elios. They, Riker comes in with, uh, with Picard. Picard is looking ahead of Riker. Riker gets uh, uh, Riker eventually gets subdued by that person that was kind of locked out by Crusher. When we when they come through the door there, where Picard is noticing that Beverly's in a med uh, med uh, cube there or med uh, whatever you call that thing, the med container. Um, they turn around and uh, stasis. They, stasis. There you go, medical stasis. Then it turns around and uh, uh, convinces him to lower his phaser, tells him who they are, and Riker, because he's a jerk, takes a little elbow shot to the young kid. And we find out that the and the young kid reveals that he is Beverly Crusher's son. Yet another Crusher is in existence here, uh, and they and they end with the they end with the ship being attacked or being descended upon this massive, awesome-looking ship, and that's how the episode ends. But that's that storyline. We'll deal with the Raffi one after this one. So uh, this is the main storyline here, Michael. What did you think about all of this? I mean, Picard talking about legacy. Him and Riker exchanging, you know, banter, the back and forths. Riker alluding to the fact that Deanna might be happy to have him out of the house for a little while and his daughter as well. And then we meet LaFor- we meet uh, LaForge's daughter. We see them come upon Shaw, who's a bit of a hard ass, but Seven of Nine conflicted about where she belongs uh, uh, in the Federation or not. So, and by the end, she helps them. She breaks the rules, helps them get to where they're going to crush her ship. And then we find out the sun. So, what did you think about how, how this all went down in this first episode um, overall? 
All right, well, first of all, let's just talk about the Star Trek nostalgia of all of this. Yes. Um, before yeah. we even get into the story, because there's just so much of it. Please. To your point, opening up with uh, the 25th century sort of uh, uh, Chiron yeah. is 100% Wrath of Khan. And even the jacket that, Dev- that Beverly Crusher is wearing oh, yeah. looks like the jackets from Star Trek II and Star Trek III. So everything about this is setting up to be like, hey, guys, remember remember when Star Trek told, like, some really good stories right there in the middle there? Like, let's let's hit that moment. And the opening pan where you're just panning across all your stuff, you were seeing the flowers that were from Crusher's room. You're seeing the drama masks because Mm -hmm. she was into theater. You're seeing, like, like there is just – and, like, there's some deep cuts. Like, there's things that I had to go look up and be like, the fuck is that? Like, it is just – it's basically saying, hey, remember Next Generation? We remember Next Generation, and we remember it better than you do. Um, So so lots of stuff there. Um, And then throughout the entire arc of this – uh, in addition to just like the music cues, I mean, they, they lean really heavily on yeah. uh, on the first contact theme, which is not yeah. only the best Next Generation movie, but arguably one of the best Star Trek movies, period, and Perfect. has just an amazing, amazing score. But it's also just giving you hints of the Wrath of Khan score, hints of, it's just, it's feeling very like this is peak Star Trek. Yeah. Um this the the space station they go to looks just like the space station that ILM built for the Star Trek movies. Like at, just across the board, it is just like giving you all these little nods to what a lot of people feel are the best moments. Even the plan that Picard and Riker have where they're going to go on and the Admiral's going to come on the ship and do an inspection is what Admiral Kirk was doing. Yes. Uh in the beginning of Wrath of Khan, I believe. Yeah, he was inspecting the ship. Yes. Yeah. So so I mean they're they're just giving you nods particularly to the Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. Biggest nod of Wrath of Khan comes in the story at the end of this arc, but uh I'm assuming that's that it's the biggest nod to Wrath of Khan. But throughout all of this it's really great and in addition I think they've locked onto something that's really fun because when you're telling a story within the world of a show that also yeah. reflects sort of the the outside reality, and the outside reality is, Next Generation was a long time ago. Yeah, and we are, and a lot of people like me, like John said, I became a Star Trek fan through Next Generation, and those adventures back in the day were great, and First Contact was great, Nemesis and Insurrection not so great, right. and now. All the cast is older, and they've moved on, and they're doing the things that they're doing, and the first two seasons of Picard were uneven. So having Picard have a conversation with Laris about legacy, where he kind of doesn't love living in this world of what he did, and he wants to have one more great adventure, when we are actually watching the crew of Next Generation going on one more big adventure is really kind of fun thematically. Like, I think it's kind of fun, and as long as it continues to be a fun adventure... That's really great. I mean, even Picard, even the fact that Beverly Crusher sends Picard an encoded message to uh, his communicator from mm. his captain's uniform from Next Generation before he became Admiral. Like, just they are just going hard. Yeah. Um, the other great thing that I think makes this episode a lot of fun is I think Frakes and Stewart are having a blast together. Holy crap! The Mark. two of them, the two of them at this age yeah. in their career 
have an ease to their relationship that feels a lot like the original cast did when they were in some of those later movies. Even the movies that weren't that great. Watching watching DeForest Kelly, Leonard Nimoy, and William Shatner just be old dudes together. There was something kind of comforting about that. And the two of them in the bar talking about everything, like it feels kind of nice. And when Picard is kind of explaining, oh, I'm not sure what this is. These coordinates aren't anything. Riker brings up this whole adventure that never actually happened in Next Generation, but right, right. kind of says that when Picard was Locutus of Borg, they all went on this adventure and the Enterprise had some computer virus and this is how they figured out how to do it. So something that's totally new, made up, didn't actually ever happen, but sounds like it could have happened. Yeah. And it gives them the coordinates they need. And then going to this ship, the Titan, to do the big inspection, and they're just basically lying their way onto the ship, which mm-hmm. is kind of fun. Um, and then having Seven of Nine there, really kind of fun. The whole, uh, is it Shaw is the captain? Yeah, Captain Shaw, yeah. I love a dick captain. Of course. I love I love a dick captain. Like, there is something great about having that character that the second that they come on screen, you can hate them. And with Shaw, even before he comes on screen, you hate him because... Most of Seven of Nine's arc through Voyager and even into Picard was this character who was struggling to accept who she was now. Yeah. That she's not Annika Hansen anymore. She is Seven of Nine. And that is not necessarily a bad thing. That even though she went through this trauma at the hands of the Borg, she is now this new person. And her trauma and her experience with the Borg is also a part of who she is. Mm-hmm. So having this sort of uh, asshole captain say, no, no, you're Annika Hansen. You can even see Jerry Ryan, the way she's playing it, kind of struggle with that. Um, So you automatically hate this guy right off the bat. And of all the cast that they kind of moved past from Picard, I'm glad that Jerry Ryan is still there because I'm a Voyager guy and I love seeing Seven of Nine. Yeah, yeah. And I think the Borg are awesome. You're right. That whole scene in the dinner uh, was just dick measuring. Uh, It's him just being an asshole. But you're also getting this information of like, the way that the Enterprise is seen. Like, we love Star Trek because the captains of our ships always take these big risks and do crazy things and rip apart space-time and ram into shit. But his, like, look, I know that you guys, with your crashes, sometimes intentional, sometimes unintentional, blah, 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 blah. And then for him to put them in bunk beds. Bunk beds. That's that's so emasculating, man. So emasculating. Also, oddly, a kind of, like, Somewhat reference to Star Trek The Undiscovered Country, though, when DeForest Kelly and Captain Kirk are in the Klingon prison and sleeping in the prison barracks and they're in bunk beds and they're having a whole conversation. So, again, I think that this is just like deep cut after deep cut after deep cut. Um, The best part about Seven of Nine pulling those two out and being like, all right, tell me what the fuck is going on. And this is what makes me like her as a character. And I think this was a great choice, both for script expediency, but also for character is the fact that she had already rerouted the ship. She yes. didn't go to them and say, she didn't go to them and say, tell me what's up. And if and if I believe you and it makes sense, I'll reroute the ship. Right, right. She rerouted the ship without being asked because she's on team them. And then pulls them in and be like, all right, what the fuck, guys? Mm-hmm. Um, and I also love that, you know, she has an ease. And this is what I think they did do smart, even though I don't think seasons one and seasons two of Picard are home runs across the board is that we've seen two seasons of seven of nine and Picard being very familiar with each other. Yeah. But Riker hasn't. And I thought it was really kind of fun the way that she's like, just tell me what the fuck is up. 
And he's like, hey, you don't talk to an admiral that way. Like, there's just, like, the interplay between all of them was like, okay, this is good. This is solid interplay. This makes sense. Yeah. So then they get there. They go over to the ship. Uh, they're trying to figure out what's going on and why Beverly Crusher was shooting the extras from the ballroom scene in Labyrinth. And <laughs> they're trying and figuring out what's going on. And then this guy comes out, and they have the fight. Yeah. There's a whole altercation. And then Picard finds out that it's Crusher's son, and it is virtually yeah. exactly the same scene as Shatner in Star Trek Wrath of Khan right. finding out that um what's his face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the name? David. David is his son. Yeah. Yeah. Finds out that the guy is the doctor's son and that that's really his son. So yeah. even Picard's reaction to that. Combined yeah. with the fact that Beverly Crusher cut off all contact with everybody about 20 years ago. And you look at this kid and you're like, yeah, okay, this <laughs> seems to all track. Which I think is interesting because so many people through Star Trek The Next Generation, there's all those people that were like, is Wesley Crusher Picard's son? Is Wesley Crusher? And they, they kind of put that to bed. Like there is a Jack Crusher. Uh, and he was one of Picard's best friends. And so that, you know, that, that complicated his relationship with Beverly. So that wasn't true, but it does seem that somebody always thought that was a good idea. And now in Picard, they're going to make that story a reality and that the two of them do have this now. Even Lara said that, right? Didn't you guys try to have a relationship? And he's like, yeah, we tried is the operative word there in that situation. Yeah. It's yeah. You point out some really great things. You're absolutely right. All the references they're doing to the new school and old school Star Trek. It's really great for the next generation stuff, the the original series, all of it. You're right. Absolutely. I mean, just these, these moments that you're picking up on just either subtly or obviously pulling a DiCaprio and pointing at the screen type moments. Those are all <laughs> so great things to like get you into the field and make you feel like, okay, they get it. They understand it. They love it the way we do, right? That's that's why people are loving – the people who play the game are loving The Last of Us uh, adaptation so much. It's because – they see that the people creating this get it, get why people love that game. Same reason here, they get why people love Star Trek here. And I think also they're dealing with these overriding, which is one of the things I love about Star Trek and Star Wars sometimes, is the overriding philosophical concepts, right? This idea yeah. of, all right, legacy. What does it really mean? Do you really think Picard doesn't give a shit about his legacy? Of course he does. But, it's a, but he also like still he wants to do something. And he's almost sitting in for the audience. Like, I want an adventure. I want an adventure. That's what I want. And what's what people want to see is an adventure with Picard. And, you know, just like Apocalypse Now, there's a great line of Apocalypse Now. Uh, I wanted a mission, and for all my sins, they brought me one. And it almost seems like this is one of those things here with Picard where he is getting what he wants, but is it really what he wants by the end of the season? We shall see. So I like that you're getting that aspect of it all. And, yeah, we're seeing the mementos and the old stuff. And he's right. As you get older, those mementos that you held on to so tight, I'm discovering this myself in my own life. It's like, eh, you can let them go. You can let it's, you know, you have the memories. That's what you have. And that's really the most important thing. These other things are just taking up space. But as long as they're in your mind, you're, you'll always be able to relive it. So I like that he's kind of putting that stuff away. But someone from the past comes back to kind of reawaken everything. And what's this all going to mean? And you're right. Uh, Riker and uh, Picard have such an easy back and forth. Another Star Trek reference is them on the ship when Jerry is, uh, well, sorry, Seven of Nine is searing that out of dock. That's something so out of the first two Star Trek movies. You know, the, the leaving space dock is such a big deal. But also, well, the- even, um, I mean, sorry, but even, but even her, Kit Picard, Admiral Picard, letting her take the ship out. Yeah. 
is sort of like Kirk letting Kirstie Alley take, yeah. yeah. Letting Savick take the ship out, uh, but also where he quotes or she quotes, uh, or he asks, well, shouldn't we do this thing? And she's like, no, this is updated. We, it's all automated. We don't do that kind of stuff. And he's like, oh yeah, well, you're going to be a good captain one day. And, and Riker gives him shit by saying like, uh, yeah, good recovery there, Admiral, or whatever he says there. And he's like, shut it, Will. And that's, it's the same thing we see with uh, with Kirk uh, in the situation there with uh, Savick later when when Khan catches him with their pant with his pants down, and she was the one that was quoting regulations to him, and he ignored the regulations, and he says, "You go on and keep on quoting regulations. Uh, you were right, you know." So th- there's that sense of like you know, people were adhering to the rules and not adhering to the rules, when to do it, when not to do it, because you're right also about what you were saying about Shaw. There, having been in the military. Yes, the people who escape in those missions and break the rules. Yeah, it's a great story to tell. It's a great book to tell. But most militaries, and I'm sure the Federation, does not like people breaking rules. There's a reason there's structure because it works better with structure. And although you may be be beloved by the people uh, enjoying your stories, to the people who adhere to structure, you're a threat to them. And so we see that with Shaw. He sees them as threats. He probably suspects they're coming on the ship to screw him over in some way. So it's going to be very interesting how this plays out now because Shaw's supposed to be a big part of the season. How is he going to react to Seven of Nine? And it seems, Michael, like the crew of the ship likes Seven of Nine more than they like yeah. Shaw. Well, how could you not? <laughs> exactly. And so you see the reaction when he says to lock the ship down and this is the end of your career and you better write me a report. The entire ship is, you see them all kind of You look can sort of like, see, oh, yeah. Yeah, the other thing so, I was going to say about Shaw, though, I mean, because you are right, like, the military doesn't like the people. Like, it's a great story, but it doesn't necessarily great make for great officers. But also, and this is a big part of dick swinging and people sort mm-hmm. of like, uh, people like Shaw, is he's intimidated by them. Yes, he is. You know, I mean, he's like, he can't these do are, what they do. He these guys do. are legends. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, le- and being a legend, and this is what I think is interesting, and if the show can maintain this sort of conversation, I think it's really interesting. Like, being a legend is a mixed bag. Yeah, because being a legend means you did a bunch of shit, but it also means you're not doing it now. So like even Riker and Picard in the bar when they're right. talking about this frontier day yeah. and 250 years of boldly going where no man has gone before, which I did look it up like 250 years from when Picard is happening. Yeah. 250 years before is about Scott Bakula taking out the Enterprise, which oh. the less said about that, the better. But that is about like that's frontier day is sort of encompassing all of that. Yeah. Again, just like a massive play at nostalgia, which not in a bad way, but just in like kind of like looking back at where they've been. Right. But yeah, like so Picard and Riker, you know, they're past their prime. They they're not the ones that are out there right. doing it anymore. And Shaw is the one that is out there doing it, but he's not doing what they did. Right. And he knows that. And so he's gonna do everything he can to sort of make himself feel bigger and puff himself up. And again, like I said, which is a great character to have in a story like this. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what the Titans role is gonna be in all of this as well. And if by the end of the season Shaw is one of these guys that gives them their begrudging respect because the whole reason he has been so strict is for other reasons from his past or from his upbringing that might get explored here as this all plays out for sure. Uh, let's hit some of these um, uh, Easter eggs real quick, Mike. Uh, we talked about the Chiron there at the beginning. Um, also, we hear notes from Jerry Goldsmith's first contact score yeah. here at the beginning, which is pretty cool. And the song that plays at the beginning is I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire by the Ink Spots. Very interesting is the last two seasons, we had Big Crosby's Blue Skies and season two's Time is on My Side. Interesting references there. 
Uh, As far as, yeah, go ahead, yeah. Also, and this is so deep, and I am not taking credit for this. I saw it online. I guess Brent Spiner recorded an album, a jazz album at some point. Oh, really? And had four backup singers called The Something Spots, and it was like... And it was like Michael Dorn, Patrick Stewart, LeVar Burton, and maybe Jonathan Frakes, I remember. So so oh. even the use of that song from that group might be sort of a reference to an album that that I don't know that any of us need to listen to. But it's there if uh, you want it. He can sing. He was in that 1776 yeah. revival that was on Broadway there. Um, as far as the Elio ship, we have Beverly's Pearls as you, from The yep. Big Goodbye. Her flowers from cause and effect, as you mentioned. The drama and comedy masks might be references to the nth degree, frame of mind, disaster, and fistful of datas. Um, also, there's a very deep cut here, according to Den of, Den of Geek, with an award that says uh, yep. Cora Carelli 5, Medical Away Team, Honorary Citizens. This is a classified mission, which we never saw, that Jean-Luc spoke of in the episode Allegiance. So yeah, there was a there was someone who was on the Enterprise who was a an imposter. Yes, who said yes. something about that uh, that mission, and he was like, "That's a classified mission. That's how you would have known about it." So again, like I said, some very deep cuts. Yes, and she's listening to his captain's log, which is from Best of Both Worlds, uh, referencing to the Enterprise hiding in a dust cloud. All right, is that gonna foreshadow something? We shall see. Um, we also get Romulan Ale uh, sitting on the ship. That's also a Star Trek uh, two reference, which um, is which is illegal, at least in Star Trek two. It is illegal. That's right. Uh, Picard's painting of the Imp- Enterprise D is what they're talking about there with him and Laris. The Resican flute, which he makes a big deal of rolling around with in his hands, the inner light is from the inner light. The Promelian battle cruiser is in a bottle. That's from Booby Trap. There's a golden Enterprise D model, a huge Bajorian symbol, and the Curlin Nice Ghost from the Chase is in there as well. So. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff here when you look at this whole situation that I think is is uh, so funny uh, and great to have them be a part of this yeah. for sure. And so, we also, and just speaking yeah. of legacy and stuff, I mean, we mentioned Crash LaForge, Jordy's daughter, yeah, in the episode, right. but also he says to Laris, when you do see his painting of the Enterprise D, that he's thinking of don- of giving it to Jordy, who right. works at a museum. So yeah. when we do catch up with Jordy, he's working at a museum, which is literally a place where you put artifacts <laughs> from a long time, forgotten time. So yeah. again, when you're dealing with this idea of legacy, uh, I, I think that that is also so an interesting choice. Yes, agreed. And that's what they're talking about in Star Trek 2 because Kirk is going through getting older and he's become an admiral. But Spock tells him, if you want my honest opinion, your first and best place or the first and best best thing you ever did was to be a captain of a ship. That's where you belong the most. Yep. And when him and, and, and Bones are having that Robin and Ale for his birthday, they're talking about it. He goes, why does it feel like your birthday is a funeral? Like, you know, you're being put out to sea that you're becoming. Damn it, man. These relics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So there's that the reference there throughout it as well, which I think is, is pretty cool. Plus them taking off on the shuttle near the end is so similar to uh, Kirk taking off on the shuttle there with Scotty in Star Trek, the, the motion picture. So there's, there's a lot more stuff, but like, you know, we don't want to drown it with all the but, references. But I, and I also think that I also think it's, um, you know, we, we've been saying nostalgia a lot. And a lot of times when people say that, like, shows are a nostalgia play or they're just relying on nostalgia, they're saying that's all that's there. And I think that here, right. um, almost by nature of the fact that these cuts are so deep, yeah. this isn't stuff that you have to know to enjoy the episode. It's not stuff that's super important, but it's just this is a show about legacy. 
Mm-hmm. And it's about a legacy of the characters within the world of the Federation, like I said. But it's also kind of a show. And this yeah. is probably what Picard always should have been. This is a show about the legacy of Next Generation. Yeah, um, yeah, and I right, think that right. this season feels, at least in this first episode, that that's the direction they're going in. And I think that's a smart move on their part. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. And uh, we'll jump into the other storyline here on the show with Rafi right after this. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. I'm not doing it. I'm not channeling. <laughs> anyway, all right. So, Mike, this is an interesting story. I mean, Rafi, one of the remaining um, original members of Picard mm-hmm. from season one here. They give her a storyline. She is undercover here for the Federation. She is strung out. Uh, it seems, well, she's playing like she's strung out here and she's trying to get information about these uh, stolen weapons and uh, worried that it's going to lead to some kind of terrorist attack. She meets up with this dude who's uh, who she ends up giving all her money to in order to get a little bit of information. So she wants because she wants to get back in with the Federation. That's her. That's her story to this guy. And uh, he gives her the red lady and uh, then kind of kicks her out and says, don't ever come back here again. She reaches out to her handler. We find out that she's uh, working undercover there and she has a back and forth on the ship. It's very interesting. Who is the handler? It's a mysterious person. We don't know. The person doesn't want to do a face to face. Uh, and uh, if Rafi keeps pushing and then eventually the person brings up Rafi's record and all the mistakes that she's made and all the insubordination that she's uh, been a part of and the substance abuse. We also hear that she has said she says this to the dude there at the bar that her and her girlfriend broke up. So her and seven of nine are not together. So how is that going to play into all of this as we see them in two separate storylines, at least to start off this season? And she and the, eventually the handler is like, you got to figure this out. You're a warrior them stealing the weapons this is an act of war do what a warrior does eventually she figures out that the red lady is actually a statue that is being commemorated here it's connected to frontier day she flies out to this area and um she no one she's trying to communicate trying to let them know that a terrorist attack is imminent no one responds back and then she sees it happen uh, almost Thanos style with two different portals there. The thing goes out one portal and then through another to actually s- damage the entire city. And she witnesses all of it being unable to stop it. So, uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on this storyline here? A subplot, in essence, going on uh, at the same time as the other main storyline in this uh, in this episode. I mean, definitely. Look, Rafi is a is, is a perfectly fine character. She's not yes. nearly as interesting as the next generation cast in seven of nine. But I think they did a really good job here where if you've watched the first two seasons, opening the scene up with her sort of strung out. Yeah. yeah. Looking for, looking for drugs. Like you, like if you know that she had a substance abuse problem, that she's struggled with the relationship she has with her son, with all these things you think, like I thought at the end, I was like, okay, I guess, man, she's, she's really, she really come down hard after season two. I see that the reception of season two really affected her a lot. I guess she got really upset with what the online chat rooms were saying. Um, And then to sort of pull a fast one on us 
and see that she's really undercover, but yeah. then to still see that she's tempted because she's got these drugs in her hand and you see the moment where, uh, and she puts it away, which is good, but they do, a, it's a right. great job of sort of um, paying off a character if you've been watching, but if you've not been watching, you get all you need to know. Yeah. Um, that combined with her hand, the hand, her handler showing her all the issues that we need to know about her in a nice little PowerPoint presentation right. kind of like gets you all caught up on all you need to know about Rafi uh, for this season. So I think right. that was really, really smart. Um, yeah, the fact uh, I forget the name of the Institute uh, where Allison Pill worked, but um, oh, yeah, where, but she mentioned that there's an offsite. Of that, it starts with a D. The day. Oh, the Daystrom. Daystrom Institute. Daystrom, thank you. Yeah, Yeah, the Daystrom Institute. She mentions that the offsite Daystrom Institute, which is not the one that we've seen in Okinawa, but is actually uh, offsite somewhere, that someone's been stealing weapons from there. So that's clearly a big, okay, keep your eye on that. That's going to come back. People are stealing weapons from a really important location. Um, and then, yeah, this whole idea of the Red Lady. So, what is that about? Like, just setting up a nice mystery as well as some nice character stuff. Uh, you know, when we see her back on the ship, mm-hmm. we see her looking at uh, pictures, uh, hollows of her granddaughter, I believe. Yes. Uh, and, you know, that, that, like I said, she has a bad relationship with her son. So, you know, that's a fractured thing. And then this mystery of who the handler is. And then this whole search for the Red Lady. Now, yeah. this is my second favorite. My first favorite <laughs> cut of Star yeah. Trek is basically setting up that Picard and Crusher have a son in the exact same way that you set it up in Star Trek 2. So, like, that is... I think that is just like chef's kiss as far as using nostalgia to tell a good story. My second favorite is that the Red Lady is a statue of Rachel Garrett. Yeah. Uh, And Rachel Garrett, um, for you nerds out there, (laughs) was the captain of the Enterprise C, which is the Enterprise before the Enterprise D, obviously, um, that appeared in probably one of my favorite episodes of Star Star Trek The Next Generation, Yesterday's Enterprise where a the Enterprise from 22 years before Next Generation comes through some kind of weird time portal and mm-hmm. changes history, and the Star Trek Enterprise turns into a warship, and they're at war with the Klingons, so like Worf disappears, and yeah. Tasha Yar comes back, and there's this whole crazy story. But the whole big point of it, without getting into the details of an episode that has nothing to do with Picard, <laughs> is that Rachel Garrett ended up, the Enterprise C was destroyed um, defending the Klingons from a Romulan attack ship and that that act of honor is one of the key things that created peace between the Klingons and the Enterprise or uh, the Klingons and the Federation. Federation. So the fact that they're doing a statue to honor Rachel Garrett makes sense because she was a key figure in bringing peace to the Federations and the Klingons and that's a big deal. Um, That's why we get Worf. So yay for her. So I think, you know, it's interesting. And now whether any of that is going to play into anything, I don't know, or it's just another really, really fun Easter egg. Um, And then the other Easter egg, just because we've seen it in trailers, is that when Rafi is looking at all of the things and trying to see the important events that are coming along, we see an image over on the right side of the screen of the Enterprise F, which would be the Enterprise that came after the Enterprise D. uh, And that we see it is set up to be decommissioned. And because we've all watched the trailers for Picard, we know that at some point that ship that is set up to be decommissioned is not going to be decommissioned and is going to be used by some people. And so it looks like we are going to have our crew on some form of an Enterprise sometime this season. Yeah. We also hear when we're at the um, at the dinner about DS4 versus DS11. DS4 has been shut down for a year. 
what is that mean? DS11 is the one they meant to say. Okay, what are we going with that? Uh, very curious. Uh, also, when you look at the ships, the Voyager B is on there too when she's rifling through all oh, the computers, rifling through all those ships. So an interesting reference um, as well. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just so much that they, they front loaded into here, but it was so seamless. You don't need to catch all of it. But if you do catch it, it adds even more to your enjoyment. As you said, Michael, earlier, if you're doing fan service and that's all you're talking about, come out of a show, you've done the wrong thing. If you're talking about the story and the fan service is the icing on top of the very good cake underneath, then that, then you're do, you've done the right thing for sure. So, And also the end credits, Michael, are next generation end credits. The font, which apparently has not been used since 1994. So that is a really nice kind of touch that they are saying to them, look, this is the next generation season. Sit back and relax. This is what it's all about. So it's 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 good. Now, as far as the Raffi thing, for me, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting character. I don't think they've really known what to do with Raffi over the first two seasons. I thought she'd come, I thought she was going to be a stronger character as the show went along, but then given her the substance views, given her they give her so much drama to deal with. She's almost for those of you who are NYPD blue fans, she's almost like the Andy Sipowitz of the fucking show because Andy lost two wives, lost a son. Like there's so much shit, lost a bunch of partners to death or to leaving. So there's so much they put him through in the show. They put Raffi through a lot of shit, both before the show starts in season one and after the show starts in season one. And so to see her in this kind of situation, I hope they find a way to redeem her, put her back on track strong. And then you can give her a send off. If you don't want to bring the character back, but for God's sakes, man, bring her back to level and let her expunge her record of all the negative stuff and let her move on and well, be happy in life. It, it's interesting. And you know, I, I know, and we talk about this. Anyone who watches our reviews knows, like we always tease you about how you want to have backstories for every single <laughs> side character and how you want to have like a nine hour, a nine hour episode where we know everybody's social security numbers and what they have for breakfast and what they have for lunch. But I do think to your point about Rafi, it shows the difference between, look at like Rafi, they, they didn't really know. I think sometimes what happens is you write a Bible for a show and you're like, yeah. here's who the characters are and here's who this new cast is. And in the Bible, it all looks great. And then you get to writing the episodes and you're kind of like, ah, what do we, where do we go from here? Like, what do they, how do these, what do they do? I, I don't, I don't really know. And you don't, and you never quite know. And so sometimes what you do, well, let's, uh, okay. So she's got a bad, she's got a bad relationship with her son. She's got a substance abuse problem. She and seven of nine have a relationship. Yeah. She's really upset because the Romulan died in the first episode of season two. Like, you just keep adding stuff because you're like, well, if I keep adding stuff, they're going to become interesting. And they don't always become interesting. It's all, it's kind of finding those keys. It's not about giving someone a bunch of stuff to deal with. It's about seeing the interplay between people that really makes things come alive. So Rafi over here dealing with all the stuff she's dealing with, you're like, okay, this is interesting, yeah. but... I'm not super intrigued, whereas, like I was saying before, the scene with Riker and Picard in Seven of Nine, where Seven of Nine made the decision before she even talked to them, and Riker's like, you don't talk to him like that. And, but like, there's, like, without giving them a bunch of stuff, these three have such strong personality. Now, granted, it's a little bit unfair. They've been playing these characters a lot longer than Rafi has, so there's some history there. And but she's on I her just own. think it's yeah, she's, she's all on her, her own. own. So, yeah. but I, I'm I'm you know I've never disliked Rafi as a character. I just want yeah. to see what they do with her. Yeah, 100. percent I'm with you. I've never disliked her, and I thought the I think the actress does a fantastic job with Rafi. Just yeah, what are you gonna do with her? And I think that's what I hope they're going to figure out here as the season goes along. Because as I said. A lot of critics got to see the first six episodes and are just glowing about the show and none of them mentioned, well, except for the Raffi storyline or anything like that. So 
that gives me hope that they're going to do something really good with the storyline and tie it in to the storyline that we saw that is the, the bigger storyline in the in the show so yeah. far. Yeah, I mean, what I would what I would love to see yeah. is kind of the same thing with that Riker Seven of Nine. Like the fact mm. that Seven of Nine and Raffi have a much different relationship to Jean-Luc yeah. than the crew of the Enterprise does. When Raffi does join up with them, if we see some of that friction, that could yeah. be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Some some conflict to, to overcome for sure. Uh, and I do like the fact that, uh, you know, you mentioned the, how um, Jonathan uh, Frakes and Patrick Stewart are having a good vibe. It's great to see how Jerry Ryan and Patrick Stewart's relationship has developed as actors in these roles as well over these uh, first two seasons and then into this episode. Like you said, when he when they call that when she calls him up onto the deck, the back and forth here and and the and the fact that they've both experienced being under the Borg's control, like there's there's just an inherent connection Ooh. between both of them. So I like that. Shaw, Shaw's little jab at them for that. Yeah, that was, oh that was great God. too. Ooh. Right, right, right. Yeah. And and you know, and Star Trek has always because it's a little bit of a judgment call about your you know somehow you're different or you're you're defective because you've been through this right and star trek has always addressed these kind of social issues from the original series on about people who are seen as different or others who have experienced things and made to feel ashamed about it and so having that be an element of shaw as the antagonist makes a lot of sense and we'll see how that plays out and how he's probably going to be begging seven of nine to save him in a situation for sure and have to come to terms with his feelings about that whole thing uh, himself. And who knows, he, we might get a Borg who takes him over. Who knows? It could be very interesting for him to experience that. Uh, all right. Any final uh, comments on this first episode here, Mike, the new enterprise? Yeah. You know, I mean, Star Trek is always uneven. The, the original Star Trek cast uh, in their movies, they had some good ones and they had Star Trek five, the voyage home or not. Uh, the, which No, wait, that is the voyage home. Was, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. Whew. Then what no, is Star Trek, Trek 4? 4 is the voyage home. Star Trek 5 is the undiscovered country. That's what you're thinking. No, that's Star Trek 6. Come on now. Oh no. What is Star is Trek 5? We gotta cut this out. No way I'm leaving this in here. We're not leaving it in. Leave it in! Final Frontier, that's right. There it's so it is. bad that I forgot the name of it. I my I mean it is to in our defense. Yeah. It is pretty bad. It's but no, so I mean I just think with Star Trek, uh the original cast, like they 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 had their ups and downs for sure in those movies, but I think Undiscovered Country, uh, the sixth one, was like a really great send off for them. It was. And yeah. Star Trek: Next Generation, as beloved as they are, man, their movies. Yeah. Uh, they, you, you, and, and for those that grew up loving this Star Trek, yeah. um, wanting to see them have one last big adventure that's the right send off. That's really lovely. And so the fact that, and, 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 and when Picard came out, it was kind of like, okay, well, that's, that's kind of what this is a little bit. And it just never really rose to the occasion. And for this episode to sort of hit all those beats and you really feel like the people behind it are really deep in their Star Trek knowledge. Yeah. Um, it feels like we're shaping up to give the Next Generation cast that send off that they really deserve. Mm -hmm. And I hope that that's what happens. Yeah, I agree with every single one of your points and 100% feel that way as well. It's a great start. It almost feels like a completely different show. So if you were going to be, you know, if you had issues with two, or you had issues with one, you can reinvest in this show. Clearly, they're going down the next generation route just from the opening title, the first episode of the season, referring to next generation. That gives you all the um, impetus you need 
to stay on this track if you've been a next generation fan and see what you got even if you have been a next generation fan to discover these characters and enjoy them because one of some of the joy of um seeing these characters get older is seeing how they function with each other that's why i love the original star trek series movies so much all the way up until six it's because I love their interplay. I love their, even on the terrible Star Trek V, there are moments where him and Spock and Bones have some really nice back and forths, even though the film itself is not that great. But overall, that's what you like to see. So it's now, it's the next generation's turn to ha- go through that with this cast. And I think already from the opening episode, we are in the right hands and you're sensing the right amount of respect and the right amount of um, nostalgia for this that makes you, that's going to put a smile on your face, going to put you through some shit and then by the end, you're going to feel very satisfied that you got this season of Picard as a de facto final season of uh, The Next Generation. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we'll be reviewing this as it goes along. Uh, Mike and I uh, will be back to talk about it for sure and have some fun with it. So hopefully you enjoyed this review. Uh, we appreciate you all watching t- this review or listening to it. And always remember, we, have the, we are a podcast feed on its own in case you don't want to see our pretty faces. You just want to hear our voices. You can subscribe there. Um, uh, yeah, Michael, you handle this stuff. What do we have to tell them? Uh, please uh, take it away. Well, if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, we are at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you want to follow John Roca, he's at the Roca says. If you want to follow me, I am at MK Tune. In addition to that, if you like this review and you want to help us continue to do what we do, here is what you can do for us. Uh, you can hit that like button below. You can, you can subscribe to John Roca's Outlaw Nation page and check out all the amazing content that he's got, including all of the amazing Geek Buddies episodes and spoiler reviews. Leave your comments below. How did this episode of Picard stack up to the previous seasons of Picard? How does it stack up to the rest of Star Trek? What is your favorite Star Trek and what are you looking forward to in this season? If you are listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some comments and some stars so we go up in the rankings and more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. That's right. And of course, we are powered and sponsored by Carbon Health, so continue to head on over there for all your healthcare questions, concerns, or needs, carbonhealth.com, or download the app to have a doc in your pocket. Some of you may be new to the show, and Carbon Health has been with us for almost a year now, powering and sponsoring us going forward they're great people and they absolutely uh, believe in creating healthcare plans that are specific to your body they're also dialing in pretty hard recently on mental health stuff and mental health uh, assistance for you all so if that's something you're going through right now in your life and i know we all there's no off season for that please head on over there and help have them help you out either, either virtually or in person uh they're great people over there at carbonhealth.com all right y'all take care of yourselves be well And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode of Picard here from the Geek Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.